Well, this is true news, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help us God. I'm Rick Wiles. French and German leaders are preparing their citizens for harsh economic conditions that are expected to arrive by the end of summer or early fall. Now, they've created their own troubles by goading Russia to attack Ukraine. Now, Russia is slowly cutting off supplies of liquefied natural gas to Europe. LNG is vital to most European countries as an energy source for heating, cooking, and manufacturing. Presently, it looks like widespread gas rationing will be implemented across the European continent this fall as LNG inventories evaporate. Doc Burkhardt and I will start our discussion by looking at quotes from French President Emmanuel Macron's TV news interview today. Now, here is a news headline published today by France 24. Macron's Bastille Day interview, Russia will use gas as a weapon of war. There are some very um, interesting uh, comments in this uh, interview. Yes. And all of you should pay close attention because it confirms what Doc and I have been telling you for months, that by August of this year, trouble will arrive. And it looks like bigger trouble even than we thought uh, might be coming it down. It is. It's, so. it's, it's rolling in pretty fast. Let's take a look at the first quote. So this is his uh, Bastille Day uh, speech, like our Independence Day and he said, France needs to mobilize to prepare for the probable scenario of energy shortages this autumn because Russia is using cuts in supplies to Europe as a weapon in its war with Ukraine, French President Emmanuel Macron said on Thursday. President Macron said Thursday that France aims to manage without Russian gas as soon as possible with no early end to the war in Ukraine in sight. Now, accusing Moscow of using energy deliveries to the West as a weapon of war, Macron said in a TV interview marking the occasion of France's Bastille Day that France was already diversifying the sources of its energy supplies and building stocks ahead of next winter. He said, quote, Russia has already started to cut off gas supplies by closing the Nord Stream 1 pipeline, he told the TF1 channel, referring to Russia's interruption of supplies, which it said was for maintenance reasons. That's a very clear message. It will use gas as a weapon of war we will need to do without Russian gas completely. Now, it goes on to say in that particular article that France is estimated to receive less than 20% of its total gas imports from Russia. And transitioning away from Russian energy means that the summer and the start of the autumn will probably be very tough, Mr. Macron warned. It goes on to say even in the event of prolonged conflict in Ukraine, Macron said that France we continue to help Kiev defend itself against Moscow while also sticking with sanctions against Russia. We want to stop this war without going to war ourselves, he said. France was boosting gas supplies from Norway, Qatar, Algeria, and the U.S., Macron said, and building up gas reserves which will be near 100% by autumn. Well, and that's his hope, anyway. That's his hope. Um, Doc, before the war started, between Russia and Ukraine. Did the Russians ever indicate that they wanted to cut off gas to Europe? No, because they're in the gas business. They like selling gas. But why? Because they make money. Yes. But who was, uh, who was trying to disrupt Nord Stream 2? 
the other line, the United States right. and Europe. Constantly putting sanctions on Russia, threatening European countries. And that was even before the Ukraine. That's conflict. what I'm saying. Long before, long before, even under the Trump administration, the United States was trying to stop Nord Stream 2. Nord Stream 1 is already operating. They haven't officially turned on Nord Stream 2. It looks like it may never be turned on. But the United States government tried for many years under several presidents to disrupt it, to prevent it from being built, threatening Germany, threatening other European nations for cooperating with Russia to build those gas pipelines. Now they're crying like babies. Russia cut off the gas. You were trying to cut off Russia. Yes, you were trying to do that before the conflict in Ukraine began. And now you're just using Ukraine as the excuse. So, uh, if the U.S. has succeeded in in derailing Nord Stream one and two, where would Europe be getting its gas from right now? Well, some would say the U.S. and from other places. But how right? do you how do you get gas for liquefied natural gas from the United States to Europe? There's only one way. Yeah, that's by boat. There's by no pipe, There's no pipelines going across the Atlantic. That's right. So. The plan was to stop Russia from building a pipeline to move liquefied natural gas into Europe so that the U.S. could ship gas to Europe. I mean, it was really a mafia-like move. We're going to knock you out of the marketplace. We're going to use mafia-like tactics, yes. break your kneecaps, blow up your car. We're going to do whatever we have to do to prevent you from doing business. Now, finally, Putin went to war. And they're crying. He cut off the gas. He cut off the gas. He's weaponizing gas. The U.S. Weaponizing. was weaponizing it the entire time. Right. So, you're going to see in these comments how um, either Western leaders are idiotic or... Or this they, is all the plan. I can't figure. Let's read the next story. This, right. uh, so this, uh, the next one. This is a, uh, this is from RT. Um, basically, the same story. Macron issues warning on Ukraine, and I'm going to take out one quote. I want you to see this. So the end of summer and autumn will be very harsh, as we read in uh, previous quotes. Uh, he warned, suggesting the fighting is set to intensify. Those who thought that the high intensity war was over were wrong. I asked to evaluate the new risks to adjust our strategy until the end of the year, the president said. Now, it goes on to say in that article, France is set to continue supporting the Ukrainian authorities both directly and through imposing additional sanctions on Russia, Macron went on. This war will last and France will always be there to help Ukraine and slow down the Russian economy, he What's said. it about? Slowing down the Russian economy. That's what this is all about. Yes. It has been for years to stop the Russians from prospering because it's it's really about who controls the banking system, which is what I've been saying for 20 years. Who controls the money system? It's it's the international banksters who are behind this war. That's what this is all about. And the Russians are building their own economic system. Uh, along with other nations. And, and, we, and we caused that, too. We caused it. 
I mean, we kicked them out of SWIFT. You know, we've, we've uh, all these uh, woke companies pulled out of Russia. And did that, it basically forced Russia to say, okay, we've been preparing for this for uh, 10, 20 years. We knew this day was coming. The day has come. Guess what? Russia is right. still there. Moscow, the lights are still on in Mo- Moscow. And I bet it's going to be warm in uh, Russian homes this winter. Oh, they got plenty. They have plenty of gas. They're not going to suffer at all. Um, unless war comes to the Russian uh, soil. Um, so what, what are we seeing here today? Uh, this is what I want our audience to see, that trouble is coming rapidly. Maybe by the end of August, all right, as, if you're in Europe, I said in June, we're going to see gas ra- rationing in Germany by the end of July. It now looks stuck. Like we're going to see gas rationing in all of Europe yes. by the end of the summer. Definitely Germany. Mr. Macron gave us specific dates. He's saying by the end of the summer, early fall, harsh conditions. And then he also said in that last quote that they were preparing for the war to intensify through the end of the year. Right. Which means it's going to get nasty. It's going to get ugly in the fall. What's that leading up to? Possible nuclear weapons by the end of this year. Assuming that they don't find a pathway to settle this thing right. before then. That's right. August is the key month, isn't yes. it? Yes. And we heard that months ago. You and I said, what are they doing in August? We were here. We kept, this is way back maybe in April, May. Right. We were picking up August in various stories, and we said, I don't, what's coming? We don't know what's coming in August, but they know. They know something's coming in August. Also, Henry Kissinger said many months ago, Ukraine has about two months to settle this. And we said, whenever he said it, mm, that puts us up around August. Right. So um, now Macron is saying by the end of August, early September, harsh conditions in Europe and really intense fighting in Ukraine, which they're going to push Putin to do something drastic. They're going to push him to, to take extreme measures to win the war in Ukraine. And, and I think it's obvious the first thing that they plan to do, take down the Cursed Strait Bridge. Right. So it's... Once they take that bridge down, man, you better buckle up. You better buckle up. Better have your helmet on. It's going to get crazy. So you don't see the NATO train slowing down at all then at no, this point? No, no. I, I only see two things happening. Number one, uh, this becomes so intense and so scary that both sides decide we, we've got to work this out. All right. And as we said a couple of days ago, maybe they're going to divide up Ukraine, maybe Syria, a couple countries together get carved up and a, a deal gets made that satisfies everybody. Everybody gets something. Okay? Right. That's option one. Option two is they bring out the nukes by the end of the year. Those are the two options I see. I don't see anything else. There's, you know, we're moving rapidly towards all-out nuclear war. You know, and these negotiations going on with uh, Ukraine and making it part of Poland and in Syria mm-hmm. and possible divisions there. 
uh, when we got to thinking about that the other day, we looked at that as a possible route for peace. But you know what, Rick? Uh, I remember in the book Operation Patton that they were uh, in that book. It told how uh, there were, you know, leaders in the U.S. and Europe that already had plans on how Germany and much of Europe was going to be divided after the war, mm-hmm. and they hadn't really even fought the war yet. Right. But they already knew how it was going to be divided up afterwards. They just knew they had to go through the war. Right. But the plan was in place. So maybe this, you know, all this jostling now with uh, Poland and Syria, maybe they're just telling us this is the way it's going to look after the war is done. They already have the maps. They already have the maps. Um, None of this, I mean, means that that every player uh, agreed to the terms before a war. It doesn't doesn't work that way, okay? But there are... There are people on both sides of the war who try to envision what the settlement looks like. And then they try to impose it on each other. Um, So what we're hearing, and and I'm going to say this again to our audience. I said it to you months ago. I said you have until the end of the summer, maybe September, to stockpile food and supplies. And I'm going to repeat it to you. You have until the end of August, maybe September, to stockpile food and supplies. Whatever you can get, you need to do it. You need to get really serious about it. You need to take this seriously. Uh, Look, 99.9% of the American people have no idea this stuff's going on. The True News audience does. You're watching this program. You're hearing things that nobody else hears in the United States. But then among the audience, our audience, how many of you are actually believing it's going to happen? Right. You hear it and you agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I believe you, Rick. But do you really, do you really believe? Because if you really believe, you would be doing things right now to get ready for it. Europe's going to get hit first in terms of energy cutbacks. It's going to be severe. But what we're going to feel here in the U.S. is going to be skyrocketing prices. Yes. Because Biden's going to ship as much gas to Europe as he can ship, and it's going to be cut back in the United States. Yes, he'll do that. Yes, he already sold oil to China. You don't think he won't send our gas to Europe? Of course he will. Our prices will skyrocket. We will eventually have rationed gas in this country, natural gas. But Europe's going to have it very early. I think probably, you know, I think you're going to start seeing it in some places like Germany in the next two to three weeks. Uh, They're openly talking about it now. But by, by the end of August, it's, it's going to be across Europe. And then going into September, what Mr. Macron is telling us, it's going to get nasty. And uh, to help our audience think about this, how significant the speech is by Mr. Macron, this interview mm-hmm. is. Imagine if the President of the United States on the 4th of July gave a speech saying, Hard, tough times are coming, folks. That's literally a good point, Doc. That's what I mean, that, that's, that's what it is. Bastille Day is their mm-hmm. Independence Day. And imagine the President of the United States coming on TV and saying, folks, tough times are coming. You better get ready. 
Uh, and by the way, the war in Ukraine is going to get tougher and worse, and, but we're committed to it. So he, he chose a historic World War II holiday to tell the French people about World War III. <laughs> Think about that. Okay. That's really what happened. Uh, Macron last month said that the French economy was now in a war economy. So he's gearing up his country. They're in a wartime economy. Um, that's because the Western leaders know that World War III has already started. And they know how bad it's going to get in the coming months. It's just the people don't know it. You know it because you're watching this program. If you don't do anything about it, it's not my fault. I've, I've told you. Look, I hope this thing gets solved. I hope a bunch of you write letters to me in October and say, well, it didn't happen, Rick. Go ahead, please. That, I would be delighted if that happens. I'm just telling you right now, as a political weather forecaster, I'm looking out at the horizon and I see really dark clouds. I see lightning. I see hail. I, I see tornadoes. That's what I see. Will the storm dissipate? Will it go around us? Let's hope and pray it does. But in the meantime, you better get in your bunker and get ready because that storm is coming. As of today, that storm is coming. Anything can change, and we want it to change. But if you were, if you were in a... If you were in a farm field in Kansas and you're getting alerts on your phone that there is a, a, an F5 tornado coming through your area, are you just going to stand there and say, oh, it's probably not going to happen? <laughs> or are you going to run for shelter? You're going to find shelter. You're going to get your family. You're going to get in a place where you can be safe, right? Right. But if it does go away and there's no destruction... Are you going to come out of your shelter and, well, the and, weatherman was and yell at the weatherman? <laughs> no, he saved your life. And that's all I'm trying to do here is tell you that we are in World War III right now. And you just had the president of France today on a World War II holiday in France tell the French people things are going to get ugly in the fall. Ugly in France economically and really ugly in the war in Ukraine. We're headed towards a NATO battle with Russia. And this may be the Christmas that my family has dreamed about years ago. Those dreams back in 2010, 11, 12, they were always at Christmas time. And it was just a terrible war and fire and destruction in each of those dreams. And I've always known for the past 10 years, when this war comes, it's going to be in the winter around Christmas. And this time, this year, I am taking this very seriously because everything's lining up for a horrific war between NATO and Russia by the end of this year. But before we get there, there's going to be extreme economic hardships in Western countries. 
and you've got to get ready for it. Yes. And that's why yesterday I started talking to you about miracle money. Amen. That's not a joke. I'm trying to help you. You've got to learn to trust God. You have to learn to use your faith. This thing with miracle money, this is an exercise in faith. This is a way just to just to get your faith muscles working and start building them again, trusting God. If you can't believe God for miracle money to find a $10 bill on the ground, you can't believe him for food when there's no food in your pantry. Right. How are you going to believe God when there's nothing in the grocery store? You've got to learn to believe God now. So I'm, I'm asking him, I'm, I'm encouraging you to make that, make that pledge to God. Father, if you give me miracle money, if money shows up from an unexpected source that I didn't think was coming, if it's sent to me, if I find it, whatever it is, I will send half to True News and I will keep half for myself. If this shows up by August 31st, 2022, that's the pledge. And then keep the pledge. Keep your vow to God. And then tell people about it. Tell people. Brag about God. Testify. Send me an email or a letter and tell me the story so I can tell people what happened in your life. That's a simple exercise in faith. It's very, very simple. And it's not costing you a dime. There's a tens of thousands of you watching me right now, and you've never given God a dime in your life. You've never made an offering to God. You've never brought an offering to his house, the house of God, for the work of his kingdom. You've never done it, ever. But God wants to bring an offering to your house. Yes. Yeah, people miss that, Rick. He wants to bring an offering to your house. But you won't bring an offering to his house. Well, let me tell you, the way his economy works, you will bring the offering to his house first. He doesn't come to your house first. You go to his house first with an offering of thanksgiving and praise. And then he will come to your house. So when you take a step of faith and you make this vow and you say, if you provide, I will give. Look, you're saying, wait a minute. He's going to give me something I don't even have? Yes. Yes, he gives seed to the sower. He gives seed to the sower. I don't have any seed. No problem. He'll provide you the seed. I'll give you seed. I'll get you started. To do what? To plant it. And to to give an offering. An offering to God. Because offerings are part of worship. It's part of worship. You're worshiping God with your offerings. You're saying to him, thank you, Father. Thank you for being kind. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being loving. Thank you for providing for me and my family. That's what an offering is for. It's not a, it's not a charitable, charitable donation. If, if you think it's just a charitable donation, you don't get it. You don't understand it. It's an offering to Almighty God for His grace and His goodness. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do. To take this challenge, tell the Lord, 
you will send half to True News. You will keep the other half if he gives you miracle money by August 31st of this year. Some of you, you've been waiting on a settlement that for years, and you've been told by your lawyers you're never going to get it. It's not going to happen. Watch what happens. That's, that's unexpected money. Or That's miracle money. Or you gave a loan to your brother-in-law 20 years ago, and, and suddenly you get a phone call from Ernie, and Ernie says, you know what, I'm sending you a check. Right now. Pay. And you had written that off 15 years That's ago. That's right. That's right. That's miracle money. And maybe somebody just walks up to you and says, I don't know who you are, but Spirit of God told me to give this to you. I know that happens. I know it happens because I know people who give like that. Right. Right. So the Lord will get money to you. You, you may just be walking down a street and find a $20 bill. Whatever it is. Just promise God you will share half of it with true news. You keep the other half and use it wherever you need it. It's as simple as that. And we're already getting reports from people that have received miracle money yes. since we started talking about it yesterday. That's right. So Quickly. Yes. It was fast. I mean, yeah. just instant, instant they found money. Um, you, may, you may open a, a box in an attic and, and discover money. Uh, you don't know. Uh, my my son, Jeremy, some years ago, Doc. Um, let me. I'm gonna try to get this story right. He he gave money to a a handicapped man. Okay. Okay. Um, I forget the amount that he gave to a person. Um, but he, he, he gave that gift, and then in the same day or maybe the next day, he opened up an old book that he had acquired. You know how, like, I buy these right. old books? He opened up an old book that he had acquired, and there were six $100 bills in the book. I, I believe that. That's a true story. Rick, I remember one time, it was our 10th wedding anniversary, and uh, we were doing something special. We were going to use all of our old uh, wedding card, you know, cards you get from your wedding and yes. everything, right? And so, and then we found one that had been unopened. Mm -hmm. And we opened up that card, you know, just thinking, all right, we'll just add this to the mm -hmm. display and everything. We pulled that card out, and it was $500 in there, five $100 bills in that envelope with the card. It had been sitting there in that envelope for 10 years. And we needed $500 at the time. And it was like, you know, so that, that's the kind of thing that happened. There's money out there. Yes. It's everywhere. Money's everywhere. That, that's my attitude. It's everywhere. The, the, people are throwing it in the trash on the ground. I've found hundreds of dollars sitting on top of a trash can in the past. Yes. And so I believe in miracle money. And that's why I've made the commitment to be involved in this too. Hey, something that works this good, I got to get be a part of it. That's right. And so I've seen God do this in my own life, in my young days as a Christian. Um, you know, I, uh, we're seeing this inflation right now. Yes. Okay? 
so they're saying that you know it's never been this bad for 40 years. We'll go back 40 years, okay? So uh, I was in my 20s, and I had a young family. Uh, you know, Jimmy Carter was president. Ger- I, you know, I remember Gerald Ford. Whip inflation now. And the buttons and everything. Win buttons. All right, all right. We're going to whip inflation now, and. Um, his economic advisor, Alan Greenspan, I remember the day Greenspan said, um, some unemployment would be a good thing. <laughs> so, yeah, you're, you're employed. But you're, you're going to have policies that put a people bunch out of, of work, of middle class people out of work. I remember that. That was in the 70s, you know. And I, I had some hard times when I was a young man. And, uh, I, I, you know, I was struggling. I was living in a town that even in good times, it wasn't good. Just the economy wasn't good in good times in that right. town, you know. And um, I, I, I have memories of God doing miraculous things for me to take care of me and my family. I was a young Christian, and I had to learn to trust him. And, and he put me in situations where I had to develop my faith. Now, I, I remember one Christmas, uh, I, I didn't have anything I didn't have money to buy Christmas gifts for the children. And Susan was upset with me. And, and she was like, what are you going to do? And I kept saying, God will provide. God will provide. I, tr- I trust him. He will provide. We'll get down to Christmas Eve, the morning of Christmas Eve. And she's like, well, where is it? You said God would provide. And you know what happened? I got a phone call from the mall. The shopping mall. And he said, Mr. Wiles, you have won a shopping spree at the mall. You can come over and pick up any items you want. <laughs> and there was a limit. I don't remember what, but it was a lot. Okay. And I told her, so she thought I was joking. She thought I was making up. And I, and I said, no, we're going over to the mall. We won a shopping spree. And we went over and she had the best time of her life picking up toys and clothing and stuff for the kids. They had a fantastic Christmas. God gave me miracle money. Yes. He gave me miracle money. And, and things like that happened um, numerous times in, in my life. Yes. And I saw God provide for me. I saw him provide. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you another time. And again, back when I was young, um, there was a group of, um, of Christians uh, who were having meetings in different homes. Right. And so it was our turn to host the group. And whoever was hosting the group had to provide the dinner. Right. Okay. Well, it was a pretty lean time for me at that time. And there were like 40 people coming over to the house. Like, where am I going to go? I could barely feed to your, kids. Your, your bunch. Yeah. yeah, and I got 40 people coming over, and I got to provide some kind of meal. And Susan was stressed out. She was like, how are we going to do this, you know, and all this. And I prayed, and Doc, it was, uh, it was something like uh, 5 p.m., and I, I only had a few dollars in my pocket. And I, w- had, I remember I had been waiting on money to come to me that was owed to me in the work that I was doing. And the, the pay had not come. And I thought for certain 
that that check would arrive before this event. And it didn't arrive. And I mean, I'm down now. I, I got like I, just a few dollars in my pocket. Doc, is a true story. I, I asked the Lord, what should I do? And I heard the Holy Spirit say, go to the grocery store and buy all the salsa you can buy with the money in your pocket. Okay, so, now, it sounds like an odd instruction. Yes. Now, okay, so this is 30-some years just ago. Just salsa, Lord. Yes, this is 30-some years ago. Salsa was pretty cheap, okay? But I only had a little, a few dollars in my wallet. But I heard him say, go buy all the salsa you can buy with the money you have in your wallet. So, okay, we're going to eat salsa tonight. So I went to the grocery store and I bought salsa. So I come back to the house with my jars of salsa. I have no idea what this means. My home is surrounded with cars. Okay, the people are already arriving. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I got salsa. I don't even have chips. <laughs> All I've got is salsa. Okay. This, this is absolutely a true story. I went into my house, and the people were feasting on a Mexican dinner. The table was spread out with all kinds of tacos and burritos and everything. And I walked in the door. And I look at Susan, and I'm trying to figure out what is going on. And everybody's commenting about the food, and somebody said, Hey, Rick, I hope you got some salsa, because there's no salsa here. <laughs> and I said, Yeah, I just went to the store, and I got salsa. And I took Susan aside. I said, Where did this food come from? It was one of those... Um, frozen food delivery trucks. Right. Okay. The driver stopped at our house okay. and said, I've got a bunch of frozen Mexican food i got to get rid of. Do you want it? <laughs> Just stopped in front yes. of your house. And said, do you want it? It's, it's going to be expired tomorrow. Do you want it? And she said, yeah, we'll take it. And she cooked up all this Mexican food, and the only thing we didn't have was salsa. salsa. (laughs) salsa, okay? Isn't that God? God is good. He's good, okay? And I'm telling you, my friends, there's a storm. It's coming in. It is coming in, and it's coming in fast and furious. And a lot of you are not physically ready, and a lot of you who are physically ready are not ready by faith. Because when the storm comes, you're going to blow through your supplies really fast, and then you're not going to know what to do. You've got to use your faith. You've got to learn to use your faith and trust God. I, I'm grateful that the Lord put me in a lot of situations over my lifetime. Yeah, me too. That yeah. made me learn. I didn't like it at the time. Right. I was like, everybody else having fun. How come I'm in this situation? But and a back. lot of you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You're going to be grateful. You're going to be grateful. You're going to understand in the coming months why God put you through some very difficult times. He was teaching you. He was training you. He was building your faith muscles. He was getting you ready. Because when, other, when the hard times come, a lot of people are going to freak out. But if you've already been through hard times, it's just normal. You already know what to do. Yes. You know, 
tough old soldiers who've been on battlefields don't panic when the bullets start flying because they've been on the battlefield. It's the, it's the new young soldiers that panic because they've never been in the war. They've never been tested. Yes. So make that faith vow that you will get 50% of miracle money that comes to you between now and August 31st and then be faithful to God. Remember Ananias and Sapphira. They lied. They lied to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit didn't tell them to give all the money. They said it. They said they'd give all the money from selling their property. Right. He didn't tell them to say that. They said it. And then they lied about it. They, they, changed they the, still gave, remember? They, they gave. gave, yes. But they changed the terms. Yes. They changed the terms. Don't do that. If the vow is 50%, then get 50%. Do whatever you say you're going to do. Keep your vow. And then watch what God does. The moment you give that 50%, the flow starts. And there'll be more miracle money coming. It'll just keep coming. It'll be a rhythm. Like It's like breathing. You don't have to work at breathing. It just happens. And when you become a giver and you have faith, it just happens like that. Right. I want to get back to this story to so let you know where this is going. Bloomberg, Shell CEO, says Europe faces tough winter. Folks, look at this. The chief executive officer of Shell Oil yes. is telling you the European continent is going to have a tough winter. And he knows. Oh, he knows. Because Russia seized and nationalized Shell Oil's gas facility two weeks ago. Yes. So Europe is going to face a tough winter, even with high energy costs. Shell PLC's chief executive officer, Ben Van Burden, said Thursday, we'll be facing a really tough winter in Europe, Van Burden said. Prices are set to rise further, and in a worst case, we will be in a situation where we have to ration. He went on to say, for a long time, we thought it wasn't in Russia's interest to cut off Russia's largest market, he said in a conference in Oxford, England. He nevertheless is ready and willing to weaponize energy supplies, Van Verden said, referring to President Putin. The only thing to do is to prepare ahead of time. European governments shouldn't wait until the last minute to prepare contingency plans for what to do if the gas shuts off. And if it does, there really aren't many options, he said. In a worst case, we will be in that situation where we will definitely have to ration that's the president of Shell saying that. So you know, Doc, he's already talked to European government leaders, and they're already working out the plans to ration gas country to country. And all the, they're, going to, they're going to equalize the suffering in Europe. If one country has more natural gas than another country, they're going to take it from them. They're not going to let one country have more than the other. Right. That's where this is going right now. Yeah, it's going to socialize, truly socialize Europe. And so. Uh, BBC Nord Stream 1, Trudeau defends decision to return Russia-owned turbine. Yeah, so this story, Rick, is uh, kind of a continuation of what's going on with Nord Stream 1 and the maintenance uh, situation there. One of the things that's the problem is that the main gas turbine is actually in Canada right now. Being it was repaired. Being, repair, being repaired. But actually, it's fully repaired now. And so, wouldn't that be breaking the sanctions that Trudeau's 
Well, Canada did something for Russia. Well, that's the, the he's under a little bit of heat right now from his uh, NATO partners and especially from Ukraine. And of course, there's a lot of Ukrainians in Canada too putting pressure on him about uh, giving the gas turbine, especially that, that uh, Nazi granddaughter yes. who so, is his uh, deputy prime minister. So, so Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has defended Canada's decision to return a turbine used in a pipeline that carries natural gas from Russia to Germany. He said it was a very difficult decision to return the Russia-owned uh, turbine despite sanctions. Now, now, as of Wednesday, Kremlin-controlled energy company Gazprom said it had no documentation to show that Siemens is permitted to bring the gas turbine for the Nord Stream 1 pipeline from Canada. Siemens, however, announced it was now in the planning stages of transporting and deploying the turbine. But well, do it's they still going to take two to three months for it to get to Europe. And then you have installation after that. Well, do they want Russia to install it and get the gas moving, or they don't? Which one is it? I, I, I think they're schizophrenic on this issue. And so uh, it's, it's just a crazy situation there that uh, Canada gave in on this. And, but in all effect, nothing will change at least for three months on that. Right. Even if they started shipping it today, you still have the shipping and installation and everything else. Into the winter. So. DW.com, Germany, consumer gas prices could triple amid Russian threats. So Germany energy official Klaus Mueller, the head of the Federal Network Agency, warned on Friday that consumers may see their gas bills increase by two or even three times. Are you listening, viewers? as Germany faces the prospect of Russian gas supplies being cut. He told uh, public broadcaster ARD that an upcoming maintenance stoppage on Nord Stream 1 pipeline that brings Russian gas directly to Germany through the Baltic Sea could see gas cut off entirely. Now, this was June 24th. That has already happened, okay? So most scenarios are not pretty and result in either too little gas at the end of the winter or already a very difficult situation in the autumn or winter. In the autumn right. or winter. Now, in this article, it goes on to say that he says on Thursday, but this was several weeks ago, Mueller predicted that Germany could manage for two and a half months without Russian gas this winter. If the storage facilities in Germany were mathematically 100% full, we could do without Russian gas completely for just about two and a half months, and then the storage tanks will be empty. He told the uh, Maybrit Illner program Thursday on the German ZDF channel. But they're Let's, not 100% full. No, and winter is a little bit longer than two and a half months in Germany. It doesn't, doesn't start getting cold in October and all the way through March in that part of Europe, Rick? Sure does. And so now it goes on to say that uh, Germany entered the second phase of an emergency gas plan, which would allow suppliers to pass on high cost to consumers, but only with the official approval of the Federal Network Agency. Mueller said if Germany enters the third phase of the plan, it would have terrible and drastic consequences for the gas industry. And that under this phase, the, the Federal, Federal Network, Network Agency <laughs> uh, would ration gas, prioritizing private households over energy firms. The uh, German Economy Minister and Vice Chancellor Robert Habeck told uh, German magazine Der Spiegel on Friday that some industries would have to be shut down. Listen to that. Shut down if gas supplies run too low by winter. Companies would have to stop production, lay off their workers, supply chains would collapse, people would go into debt to pay their heating bills, that people would become poorer, he said. 
He told the magazine that Russian President Vladimir Putin's aim is to divide the country, thus creating the best breeding ground for populism, which is intended to undermine our liberal democracy from within. He went on to say that Germany cannot allow that plan to work. Now, just think about what he's saying. They're accusing Putin of promoting populism. But what is populism? That's people power. Yes. And we can't let the people... can't let that happen. Because look at what happened in America. They elected Trump. If we get populism in, in Europe, well, they might elect somebody that the people want. Somebody that would end this stupid war. Yes. And end all this nonsense that's going on. And so what he was really, really, he said populism was, he was really saying a threat to the liberal world order. Because that's what they call this world order. Yes. This post-World War II new world order is their liberal world order. And he's saying populism, a movement of the people, is a threat to the world order. Okay. Yes. But they're worried because they saw what happened in Sri Lanka. That was that was an uprising. The masses of people rose up and chased out their World Economic Forum socialist prime minister. And he fled the country because the economy collapsed. And they see this is happening in other yes. countries. And they know it could happen in Europe very quickly. One cold winter would be all it would take. Years ago, back after the 2008 crisis, and I don't remember which winter it was, I mean, which year it was, um, I I think we were still up at the other building at that time. But I remember the Swiss Army was conducting war drills to defend Switzerland from French people invading Switzerland to get away from the collapse of France and they were coming to Switzerland to seize the gold in the Swiss vaults. I remember that story. The Swiss army chief was warning Switzerland. If, if, If Europe collapses financially, the French people are going to come to Switzerland and try to take our gold. They all know how, how, how weak the system is. And a winter without fuel would be enough to break the entire European Union apart. And then to go into war with Russia? What does this look like by December, January? I mean, you're talking about new maps with uh, Poland and Syria. You'd have a whole new map of Europe. Of Europe. And the last two world wars were, were started by Europe. Right? So third world war may be European again. Um, so the, the next one, um, this is Telegraph. Germans will have to burn wood to stay warm. This winter says Deutsche Bank. The bank when the banker's telling you you have to burn wood <laughs> this winter, it, that's really bad. I said, Ebenezer Scrooge is <laughs> telling you to get the fireplace going. Now, when I saw this article, it just nearly floored me because they're actually advocating this. It said some German households will be forced to heat their homes with wood instead of gas as Russia turns off the taps, according to dire warnings from analysts. 
Global shortages of gas worsened by Russia's war in Ukraine have sent prices soaring, with many consumers cutting usage in response. They added, in addition, substitution of gas by other energy sources, such as hard coal and lignite in the power sector, wood for heating purposes in private households where possible, switch to oil derivatives in the industry, contributes to lower gas demand. So now, what have we seen so far? The, the Green Party in Germany is... Uh, promoting coal yeah, fire up. Now, now and now the banks now are promoting coal. wood <laughs> yeah oh this is going to be an interesting winter well our um, Miss Yellen says uh, a price cap I'm going to jump, jump down to uh, number 24 price cap on Russian oil is one of our most powerful tools to fight inflation she actually said it was a straight face too Rick I know. so uh, cap this, is, on, this is the thing I'm wondering, Doc. Do these people really, do they really believe it, or do they think we're dumb enough to believe that they believe it? Um, I think that they know that 80% of the population will believe it. But do they believe it? I, that I don't know. I, either they're so boonswoggled themselves that they can't, you know, decipher anything, or they're part of the problem. All right, so let's read this, and then I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I think about it. So, a cap on Russian oil prices will be crucial, now this is what Yellen is saying, to help bring down inflation as U.S. consumer inflation soared to a 40-year high of 9.1% this week, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said on Thursday. Speaking before the start of the group of 20 finance ministers and central bank governors meeting in Bali, Yellen said efforts must be expended to rein in two key economic fallouts from the Russian-Ukraine crisis. That is, high fuel pot prices and rising food insecurity, which are sweeping across the U.S. and globally. She says, a price cap on Russian oil is one of our most powerful tools to address the pain that Americans and families across the world are feeling at the gas pump and the grocery store right now. Yellen said no price had yet been determined for such a cap, but the level would have to be one that clearly gives Russia an incentive to continue to produce that would make production profitable for Russia. Now, she said she was hopeful that countries like China and India that recently have boosted imports of Russian crude oil sold at deep, steep discounts would see it as being in their own self-interest to observe the price cap. So... Rick, your uh, thoughts on, on this and this strategy of uh, Ms. Yellen's? All right, so I'll give you a simple uh, explanation of what they're planning to do. They want uh, the Western nations are going to tell Russia how much that they can sell their gas for and their oil. Okay. Uh, the oil, they want, it, they want it somewhere between 40 to $60 a barrel. Right. Meanwhile, the rest of the world is selling it for $100 a barrel. Right. So somehow, according to Ms. Yellen, if the Russians can't sell their oil for more than $40, that will bring down prices in America, even though everybody else is selling their oil for over $100. Right. How does that work, Doc? I don't, I don't get it. I don't get where... Of course, where... Because you don't get it because it doesn't make sense. It's about, it's about destroying the Russian economy. But at the same time, she said, we want Russia to continue to produce oil. Yes. So we, we, we want, we need We Russia. need it. We need Russia. But we're we just, just not, don't want them to make any money on it. That's what she's saying. 
She's so arrogant and so full of you know what. She's she's telling the Russians, we will allow you to sell, but we're not going to let you profit. Yes. So there. I mean, it's really what their attitude is. It's so arrogant. Is this they're full of of pride and arrogance, and the Russians are sitting over there saying, who do you think you are? You're going to tell us how much we can sell our oil and gas for? Take a hike, lady. Get out of our face. Go away. We have nukes. We don't need you. We'll do what we want to do. Meanwhile, India is buying up Russian oil. Yeah. Whatever the price. That's right. China's buying up Russian oil. Whatever the price, it just happens to be lower right now. They've got some discounts. They've That's got a right. coupon code. Yeah. So, but so the, Russia the, is still making money on oil. It's still producing ga- natural gas. But she knows if she can force Russia to sell for less, the, the Russian economy will, will go into a severe uh, contraction, and that will hurt the defense budget, which will then force the Russian military to pull back from Ukraine. It's not going to work. Or to advance in order to secure territory. What else are they going to do? If if she would succeed in getting countries to to impose this cap, it's just going to drive the Russians to hit harder. That's right. And that's why Macron says the fighting is going to get really bad in the fall. He knows what they're doing. And he knows the Russians are going to hit back hard. And he knows, he knows that Ukraine is going to take down the Kerch Strait Bridge. And he's preparing for maybe the Eiffel Tower to disappear. What does that look like, Doc? The Russians just blow up the Eiffel Tower. Because that, that's what I see coming. There's going to be retribution. There's going to be payback. And these countries are going to lose some very important uh, assets, and it's it, it, psychologically, it is going to shock them. Right. The people, the people are going to start saying, "What are you? What are you doing to our country, Macron? What are you doing?" By the way, he lost today in the French Parliament. Right. His uh, vaccine passport bill. Yes. The French Parliament voted it down. So there, there is a populist revolt that's building. Right, and he's in a minority position right now. Uh, in France, his party is actually uh, right. has the lowest number of seats uh, in Parliament right and now. And so. in that vote on the vaccine passport, the right and the left came together and clobbered Macron. Yes. So in certain on certain items, you can get a coalition of right and left. And was on a, va- a, a, a vaccine passport mandate. Yes. Yes. And, and that was interesting. That united both, both sides. So. So that Macron could not get that power. Uh, the next story, um, let's see, where are we at, Doc? Uh, oh, um, oh, oh, there's fires. Yes, yeah, fires. fires. So we did, have, we did have a string of food processing plant fires. Right. Now we're having gas fires. Yeah, uh, natural gas or refineries uh, suddenly bursting in flames. And we've had a string of them. Uh, first, don't, don't get conspiratorial. Well, no. all I'm saying is... There's been fires, and they've been at refineries or natural gas plants. You put enough of them together, it's, you know, it's a coincidence, and so, uh, or a coinkydink. And so, 
Uh, first one we'll show you here. This is, you've probably heard about this one. This was the uh, natural gas plant out in Oklahoma, in Medford, Oklahoma, that caught on fire. Pretty dramatic. Uh, we got a short video of that. We want to show you. Now, even as a standalone, that will impact uh, natural gas supply across the country. Uh, already, we're seeing increases in uh, 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 prices in natural gas. If, if that was the only one, that would be enough. But there's been others. For instance, here's Bloomberg. This is reporting. Uh, the, uh, this is back uh, just a few days ago. Uh, well, it was reporting on the uh, fire that occurred a month ago, actually. They uh, talked about a 450-foot-high fireball at a natural gas, uh, you know, a portage place for uh, ships to be able to load up uh, natural gas to ship out. Another one, use in Chronicle, natural gas pipeline explodes in a field near Wallace in Fort Bend County. I don't know where Fort Bend County is, Rick, uh, but uh, I can't help but think, you know, this would have an impact as well. And then... Let's go up to Alaska. Uh, Anchorage Daily News, it's reporting the Valdez refinery halts fuel loading after tanker truck loading diesel explodes, officials say, which is putting it out of commission for a period of time. So you put all these things together and you start watching for other things that are happening mm -hmm. around the world. Suddenly you start asking questions. All right, how does that affect the supply chain? Is somebody sabotaging? gas pipelines and refineries. All right, so let's think about that. Who would have a motive to do that? Russia. Russia would. Ordinarily, they wouldn't, but we're in war. Right. And a way to attack us without a directly attacking us. Right. And, and uh, the weak spot for the West is energy supplies. Yes. Food and energy. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I can easily see that uh, Russian commandos are operating in the USA, Spetsnaz, uh, sabotaging food processing plants, energy facilities, and we'll continue to see this happening in the coming months as we get closer and closer to that war. Remember what I told you? Uh, Colonel Stanislav Lunov told me that Spetsnaz would go into action uh, prior to the nuclear war. Right. And he said Spetsnaz is in America. This is 1990. 1999, February 99, he told me this. He says, Spetsnaz is here. He goes, they're, they're in America all the time, Russian commandos. And he said, they will, they will spring into action just before the war, and they'll start, they'll start carrying out operations, just like the U.S. has commandos in other countries. Right. We shouldn't be surprised that there are likely cyber attacks going on. We've seen different uh, internet products over the past several days go up and down. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot outages. of outages around the country. Uh, now, if you assume that it's the Russians, maybe even the Chinese working in partnership with the Russians, um, but, you know, uh, it could be others that are impacting the supply chain just to do it. That's right. And so just to create pain, just to create confusion. Well, Doc, so, uh, today Bloomberg is reporting the European Union uh, set to boost Ukraine weapons financing to two and a half billion euros. So the European Union member states are set to agree on 500 million euros more in military aid to Ukraine when the bloc's foreign ministers meet on Monday. And that's according to people familiar with the matter. 
That would bring the total arms financing to 2.5 billion euros. Now, the bloc in recent months has agreed to several rounds of arms financing for Ukraine under the so-called European Peace Facility, which reimburses governments for military deliveries to Ukraine. That's a good deal to have there, isn't it? Uh, hey, whatever you want to send to Ukraine, we'll, uh, we'll reimburse you for it. Yeah. So they gave, they gave Ukraine a credit line for more weapons, yes. which is only going to worsen this war. Newsweek reporting uh, that Russia is, uh, Russia is in World War III with Western nations. Right. This, uh, is, this statement was by the president of Serbia. Yes, so Russia is in a world war with Western nations amid Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Serbian President Alexander Vucic said on Wednesday, we should understand that amid the world war, all the talks that it's a regional or a local war must be dropped. Now, Vucic and ally of Putin told this to an independent Serbian TV channel, Pink, in an interview. He says the entire Western world is fighting against Russia via the Ukrainians. This is a global conflict, he said, according to Russia's state-run news agency, TASS. Okay, so, Doc, the president of Serbia knows that World War III has already started. That's, that's what he said. Right. We're in World War III. The West is united in a global war against Russia. I read today 45 nations right now are participating in the war crimes investigation. Where they're going to oh, accuse... Are they investigating themselves? <laughs> they're, investi they're, going to, they're going to treat Putin as Hitler. When this is over, that's the plan. Right. They have 45 nations right now agreeing to help in the investigation. Do you think Putin is going to sit back and, and be handcuffed and taken to prison, taken to The Hague and put on trial as a war crime, no war way. criminal? Not going to happen. He'll blow up the entire West before that happens. But these people just continue this stuff. There's no end to it. Um, the next one, uh, this is uh, Mr. Biden's in Israel. Uh, the U.S. would use military force against Iran at, as a last resort. Um, Mr. Biden told Israel's Channel 12 News that he would use force against Iran, Iran as a last resort to prevent it from obtaining nuclear weapons, but stressed that his preference to negotiate with the Iranians, uh, was, that was his, his preference. So... Um, what you have to see here is that for the first time, we have an American president saying, yes, I'm committed to using military operations against Iran. Right. So basically today we just declared war on Iran. Yes. Now, there might be people sitting out here in the audience, well, Iran probably deserves it. We probably need to do it. No, uh, I don't think that's the case. We're doing this on behalf of Israel. Yes. And the new... Prime Minister, Mr. Lapid, he told Mr. Biden, put a credible military threat to Iran on the table. Right. That's that was reported by a Jerusalem Post. Right. So the U.S. reaffirmed that it's prepared to use military force to uh, stop Iran from attaining a nuclear weapon. In the Jerusalem-U.S.-Israel Strategic uh, Partnership Joint Declaration, U.S. President Joe Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Yair Yair Lapid were set to sign after their meeting on Thursday, which they did. The United States stresses in the Jerusalem Declaration that integral to this pledge, okay, so this is an important component to the pledge, 
A commitment to Israel's security and qualitative military edge is the commitment never to allow Iran to acquire a nuclear weapon and that it is prepared to use all elements of its national power to ensure that outcome. So following his meeting with Biden, Lapid said that the only thing that will stop Iran is knowing that if they continue to develop their nuclear program, the free world will use force. The only way to stop them is to put a credible military threat on the table. It should not be a bluff. It should be the real thing, Lapid said. The Iranian regime must know that if they continue to deceive the world, they will pay a heavy price. Uh, in the meeting, Lapid told Biden that nuclear talks with Iran cannot continue to be open-ended and must have a deadline, a senior source said. So, so Doug, behind the scenes, uh, Mr. Biden signed a document, the U.S.-Israel Strategic Partnership Joint Declaration. It's a war document. Yes. They told us today, it's a war document. Mr. Biden said, I will use military force. And then immediately thereafter, the Israeli prime minister said, hey, put the threat out on the table. Do it, Mr. Biden. Let them know you're willing to, to fight. They signed a war document today in Israel. And Mr. Biden repeated in Israel his statement that he has said in the past. He said, I am a Zionist. Yes. Those are his words. And I am a Zionist. And Lapid, when he introduced Pre President Biden to uh, right, getting off the plane, saying he's one of my best friends and one of my best defenders of Zionism in the world. Just saying that about Joe Biden. All right. So he's so, going to take us to war against Iran. Uh, the last story, Times of Israel. What would you expect Iran to say? Tehran warns of harsh response. Yes, and also warning, don't make any mistakes, and putting that in quotes. So sometimes mistakes happen, right? Right. Like a, uh, like a ship blows up or, or something like a, that. New, a, a, a baby bottle factory blows mm -hmm. up. And so Iran's President Ibrahim Raisi warned the U.S. Thursday that any mistake Washington and its allies might make in the region would be met with a harsh and regrettable response. The great nation of Iran will not accept any insecurity or crisis in the region. Raisi said in comments translated by Reuters, Washington and its allies should know that any mistake will be met by a harsh and regrettable response from Iran. Doc, it, it appears that the Western warmongers actually, it just seems so insane that, they're, that, that you think nobody in their right mind would plot this way. But it does look like they're going to take on Russia. They're going to take on Iran, and they may take on China at the same time. Uh, yeah, are they really that, that crazy, Rick? Are they are blinded? I, it, it just seems surreal that we're moving in that direction. But Biden today signed a war document with Israel. And say, yeah, we'll use military force. That means they've already made the decision to, to use military force. Why? He's a Zionist. He's telling you, I am a Zionist. And Lapid confirmed it. Yes. <laughs> ah, but get close to Jesus. Amen. Get as close to your Heavenly Father as you can get. He's got big arms of protection. And he'll spread them out for you. He wants you to get under his arms. He wants you to hide in his shadow. Uh, nobody can reach you when you're in the shadow of the Most High. 
That's your place of safety. Run to your Father now. Run, 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 run. Run to your Heavenly Father. Get close to Him. Just shut down everything of this world that you don't need and get close to your Father. Get into His Word. Start reading this book. Get into your prayer closet. Start talking to Him. You're running out of time to develop a close relationship with your Heavenly Father. We're headed into a horrific world war. And it's only going to stop if a miracle takes place in the next six months. If it doesn't, we're going to have nukes flying around here by the end of the year. If there isn't some type of intervention to stop this madness, uh, my job is to tell people to be ready. To be ready. Be ready to meet your maker. That's what you need to be ready for. You need to be ready to meet your maker. Because a billion people could die in this insane war. The four horsemen of the apocalypse are riding. And they bring famine and hunger, death and war. And those guys are riding right now. And we see it happening in front of us. We, we just came through a global pandemic. We're now going into a world war. The Bible, it, the prophecies of the Bible are playing out in real time in front of us. And few people are recognizing it and realizing this is what the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ said would happen. The good thing is it means Christ is coming. It means that the kingdom of God is going to be fully brought to the people of God. And it will be the end of this madness. I want you to be ready. I want you to know God. He is your heavenly father. He loves you dearly. And he he wants to live with you. He wants to live with you. That's his desire. That's his hope. That's it for today. Doc and I will be back here tomorrow. Don't forget to watch uh, our new show, Rick Wiles, today. It's on TCT Television and the Word Network and Binge TV. Uh, It's also at rickwiles.com. You can watch it right there and make that pledge to God about miracle money. And then let us know how fast it came to you and tell us the story of how you found it. Amen. God bless. See you tomorrow. See you.